am Whitney Putnam, the host of A Big Happy Life, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. Listen, A Big Happy Life is a life all about Jesus. Our circumstances may not be going our way, and really our circumstances going anyone's way in 2020. That's the question. But the bottom line is A Big Happy Life based in Jesus. He is truly the only one that will make us genuinely happy. And also a big happy life is a life based on the lifestyle of Jesus, living out Jesus' habits and rhythms. And we are in the middle of a mini series that has been too fun. It's all about leadership. Why? Because truly Jesus was such an incredibly effective leader. We are talking about him 2000 years later, whether or not you believe that he is the king and savior of the world or not, you have to recognize that Jesus was a truly effective leader, which means therefore you and I, students of Jesus, we have the privilege and honor of becoming really excellent leaders and influencers as well in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities, and in our nation. It's what we're called to by Jesus to go and make his name known. So we've been looking at how to build our leadership. So far, we have actually looked at building our language and building our talents. And in this episode, we are going to look at building our habits. Before we get to that, I do just want to say we did just have an incredible big happy life workshop. We had women that came in not knowing truly what they were called to do in this season. And they left with an actual mission statement over not only who they are in Jesus, but what they're called to do. We have gotten rave reviews. Go on and check it out on Facebook. And we will be planning another workshop in early spring. And we will also be hosting an online course, five weeks to discover your big, happy life. And so please keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Also, before we hop into actually the content of this episode, all about building our habits, I want to ask if this has been beneficial to you, if this series has been beneficial to you, would you consider sharing this with a friend, maybe a friend who's in leadership, maybe she's leading her home, maybe she's leading at a church, maybe she's leading within her organization, go ahead and share this with her. And even maybe would you consider writing a review if this has added value to your life, would you consider adding a review to a big happy life podcast? And therefore what you're doing when that happens is you're sharing with like a megaphone, essentially saying, hey, a big happy life is real and you can have it too. And here's how check out this episode. So all of that to say a big, huge, thank you. If you do share, would you tag me so we can be in conversation together? I would love it. Okay. Let's hop into building our habits. This is something very near and dear to this type a Enneagram three woman who loves and adores rhythms and systems and strategies. I love a good habit. I love building habits. I love reading books and leadership books over what it looks like to build good habits. There are literally hundreds of books 
built on this. One of the very best books real, built on becoming a highly effective leader from our habits is the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. You guys, I remember when my husband was going to classes to get his doctorate, he came home one day and he said, Whitney, have you ever heard of this book by Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people? And I thought, why? Yes, I have. It's very excellent. My husband would tell you that his first and favorite book of all time is the Bible. And then he would tell you his second and favorite book of all time is this book by Stephen Covey. It is excellent. People have been using it for a very long time to help make not only their own lives efficient um, as leaders, but also organizations and ministries. One of the very first ways that Stephen Covey says for us to build habits to be highly effective leaders is for us to be not reactive, but proactive. For us not to live reactive lives, but instead to be proactive. What this actually means, friends, it means we engage in our lives and truly the things that we feel like we can control. What are the parts and areas of our lives that we can invest our time and our energy in into the things that we can control? The way this really happens is us actually taking proactive measures in our lives. Let's think, for example, about losing weight, right? Everybody, well, most people I know have had a conversation about, gosh, I really want to lose weight. So we don't sit at our desks and think, oh, I want to lose weight today. I'm going to create a strategy for that. And then I'm just going to sit here at my desk and look at my strategy. No, instead, there are proactive measures that we take in order to lose weight, namely that I'm going to eat healthier and I'm probably going to consider moving my body. So those are proactive measures that we can take to eventually lead up to losing weight, right? That's such a simple example, but it's so true. So often we can think about where we want to be and not necessarily create measures, proactive measures to get there. Well, it's interesting because when I look at Jesus' life, this is just something, maybe it's my own assumption. When I read Jesus' life in the gospels, especially a lot of times I would maybe say, gosh, he looks so reactive. Like he runs into so-and-so in the street and they say, come heal my daughter. And Jesus reacts and does it. Or, you know, it's all these people need something to eat and Jesus reacts and does it. So you're almost thinking, well, Stephen Covey, no, Jesus was so reactive and look at what an effective leader he was. But what I want to say is Jesus reactions were actually because and done out of the ways that he was proactive. So our proactive actions help us react well. Our proactive actions help us react well. And so there's three things I want us to actually look at in this episode where Jesus was truly proactive that helped him react well. And the first is this, and these are the three habits we're going to look at. He got away with God. Jesus lived at a slower pace and Jesus always prioritized people. These are the habits 
that Jesus had. These are the ways that he was taking pro-action so that he could, he could actually react well. Essentially, Jesus was really proactive about getting away with God. He was really proactive about slowing down. He was really proactive about prioritizing people. Therefore, he wasn't reacting to people or his circumstances. His habits allowed him to focus on what was important to him. Here's the question. The question I wonder about is not how much you and I can get done in the day. Because see, that's what a lot of books about habits want to tell us is how much you can actually produce in a day. The question that I want us to ponder during this podcast is if our habits are helping us focus on the right things in the day. Okay, two very different conversations. If we're creating habits to get more done in the day or if we're creating habits to actually get the right things done in the day. Because here is the crux of it all. If we only look at habits that will help us get more done in the day, we will come face to face with our humanity. I don't care if you are the highest achiever with the highest amount of energy, you will come to an end to yourself. I don't know if you've recognized, but you actually can't keep pulling all-nighters. Eventually, you will need sleep. You can't eventually always run 100 miles an hour, constantly consuming coffee and energy drinks. You will ultimately come to the end of yourself. I had to learn this face-to-face in my own life. When I was running 100 miles an hour, I had come off of a season of raising two little girls and writing the book Imperfectly Brave when, mind you, Carter was a baby. So I was carving out pockets of time, literal pockets of time where I could write. Now, I would not take away that time for the world. It's truly I was being obedient to God. And those were sweet, tender moments with God, what I didn't realize in that season is when I was saying yes to that, I needed to be saying no to other things. Instead, I just kept piling more and more on my plate, thinking inside my head, you are high energy, you are high capacity, you can do this. Instead, the question that I should have been asking myself, it's not a question of if I can do this, because I could but is it what God is calling me to do in this season? Not if I should be doing this, but should I be doing this in this season? Because I kept piling more and more on my plate before I knew it, I had written the book Imperfectly Brave. I was raising at this time now three beautiful little girls. I was being a pastor's wife at our church. I was leading Bible studies. I was also working at a pregnancy center. I was adding, adding, adding until I came to a point where I imploded and I could not add another thing. People would call it burning out. I burnt out and I had to make decisions in my life that meant letting go of some dreams that meant saying no to some things for a season. And it was a hard thing to come to reality with. 
But that's what happens when we only focus on habits of getting more done rather than focusing on habits of doing the right things. So I want us to focus on habits helping us do the right things. So the first is this. Jesus got away with God. We know this in scripture. We read about when Jesus would go away early in the morning, or sometimes he would spend all night with God. He would get away. At this point, Jesus is ultra famous. People want to know where Jesus is at all times. They want to know what he's tweeting about, writing about, saying who he's healing, what he's, who he's walking alongside. People want to know. And the thing is, is Jesus knew that in order to live the life he wanted to live, the proactive life he wanted to live, he proactively needed to get away with God in relationship with God. Now, I might be saying this to the choir, but I may not be. Because stats actually show that a lot of us who love and follow and are students of Jesus are actually not getting away with God in his word. This is so interesting to me. In the 2019 Discipleship Pathway Assessment Study from the National-Based Lifeway Research, it found that those who regularly attend Protestant churches are inconsistent in their reading and thinking about scripture. The study identifies Bible engagement as one of eight signposts that consistently show up in the lives of growing Christians. They say this, those that actually did the research, this research asked churchgoers about many biblical characteristics to see which actions, beliefs, and desires are present in the lives of followers of Christ said Scott McConnell, he's who ran this actual data. Among them, Bible reading was one of the most actually predictive of spiritual maturity. So here we're seeing Jesus got away with God so that he could live his life. His proaction was to get away with God so that he could react well. And what we're also seeing here is getting away with God, reading his word, right? That's really the main way that we can get with God is reading his word. It's actually one of the predictions of spiritual maturity in our life. And here's what's so interesting, you guys. A third of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly, 32%, They say they read the Bible personally every day. So let me say that in a different way. That means that there's two thirds of us who are not reading our Bible or meeting with Jesus every day. The last thing that I want to come off here is legalistic and like I have a rule for you. I don't have a rule for you. One of my greatest memories of my mom is when I would catch her in the middle of the day eating pistachios on her bed and her Bible would be open and she'd just kind of be lounging there enjoying God's word. We grew up, I grew up in a time where there was, it was hounded into me that you had to have a quiet time in the morning and you had to sit there in the word and then you had to journal and then this, that, and the other thing in order to be and act and look like the Christian that they were molding us into. It's such a tricky line. The bottom line is, is I can't be in relationship with someone I don't connect with their words or having conversation with. And the Bible is truly the go-to for hearing God's voice. So again, the research shows, and this was just in 2019, that only a third of us are going into those conversations.
conversations with God. About a quarter, 27%, say that they read God's word a few times a week. Now listen, I'm not coming at us. I, I certainly have my rhythms of when I open my Bible and I spend time with God. And I certainly know that I fall short at this a lot of times in the same way that I fall short in communicating with my husband well with the right words or paying attention to him or creating set-aside time to just be with my husband. It's the same, same thing. So here's just some practical steps to help us get into the word. And these are so simple and so practical. The first is this, do we really just asking ourselves, do we really have a high value of God's word? Really and truly, I think if, you know, we all came back to the crux of that question, do I, I really have a high value of God's word? Do I really want to hear from God? If I could answer that question, honestly, I would, I would create space to meet with God. What that looks like for me is, um, I, I do want to spend time in God's word. I have a busy life as do you, which means I have to set up a pocket of time. That is truly a time where I open up the word of God and it is truly quiet, which is hard to find in my day. Now where a truly quiet time is in my day is still the morning. You guys, it is the morning. It's also at night too. I'm just exhausted by the time the nighttime rolls around. So it's a harder time for me to open up God's word. So what I do is I do create a pocket of time where I spend time in God's word. And here's a sweet thing that I do. I open up God's word every time with a Psalm. Every time I read the Bible, I typically open it up with a Psalm first and I pray it back to God. Why? <laughs> because I resonate so deeply with David's humanness in most of the Psalms. Typically, I can understand some of the feelings he's feeling when he pours out his soul to God. So usually first step is I set aside a pocket of time to spend with God when it is quiet. And second, I start with a Psalm. I breathe in pretty deep and I just ask God, Hey, meet me here as I read this Psalm. Do I get distracted? Absolutely. Am I tired sometimes in the morning? Yeah. But I try and I sit there with my cup of coffee and I just meet with God and like a conversation with my husband, sometimes they are just mountaintop experiences. And sometimes they're just regular, ordinary conversations about, you know, regular, ordinary stuff like the laundry. And what are we doing that day? The last thing and the important part about this step is to just create boundaries around that time. So if you're married, you know, tell your spouse that you're going to be, you're going to have to share 15 minutes with God in the morning so that they know, and they're well aware about that pocket of time. Or if you're single, put away your phone. You don't need your phone unless you're reading your Bible app. You do not need your phone to open up your Bible and spend time in God's word. And so don't, don't readily provide distractions around yourself. Okay. The second habit is to slow down. The, the work that's helped me the most in this is a book that I can't recommend enough. It's called the ruthless elimination of hurry in his book. Um, John Mark Comer, that's who wrote that book. He quotes John Ortberg who says this, I love this quote for many of us. The great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we'll become so distracted 
and so rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of our lives. We will just skim our lives instead of really, really living them. Wow, like that, if that doesn't speak to your soul, it totally speaks to my soul. That also goes back to, we're not here just to create habits to get more done. We're here to create habits to live a life that's worth living. We are here to create habits that allows us to live a life worth living. Michael Zigarali from Charleston Southern University of Business, he conducted the Obstacles to Growth Survey over 20,000 Christians, and this is what he discovered. It may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to deteriorating relationships with God, which leads to Christians becoming more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conform conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. You guys, I want you to think about your life for a second. Aren't you at your worst moments when you're in a hurry? I don't know about you, but somehow when I am in a hurry, it is always when I'm in a hurry that I'm wearing a sweater that can get caught on the doorknob. And lo and behold, am I even right? That sweater will get the biggest snag in it, only escalating my aggravation and my hurriedness. I, I wonder if you're ever at your best when you're hurried. Are you ever at your best when you're hurried? And so I want to create habits of unhurry in my life. And so here's some practical steps to do this as well. And, and mind you, I just want to say this too. I can't ever recall a time when Jesus was hurried. Can you? I can never recall a time when Jesus was hurried. And yet he was and is one of the most effective leaders. So here's some practical steps. One, I simply asked Jesus to help me with this. This is so hard for me that I have to constantly ask for Jesus' help. The second practical step is I do little things the day before to set me up for success of an unhurried life the next day. Like, so for example, every night I create my list of what I want to get done the next day, kind of in the order of the way I want it to go obviously leaving flexibility and margin in that day. Like for example, today I had a full calendar from about nine to noon. And then I took a nice leisurely lunch break with a friend. And then I ended out my day with some business and some emails. I map out my day so that there's still margin. And also I'm a mama. I know that our morning is busy. And so I do little things to create a more, as, as unhurried a morning as we can. That means I pack my kids' lunches. That means I write little notes to them already the night before. It means I pack their backpacks. I, I hopefully get their water bottles ready. I do things the night before that will make for a less rushed morning. And finally, the Sabbath. I don't have time to get into that, but like I said, I highly recommend the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The last habit that I want us to talk about that again, you see Jesus 
almost as if he's reacting to people, but he's not. It's actually part of his proactive lifestyle. It's actually part of his habit to prioritize people. And you guys, you guys, one of the reasons Jesus is such an effective leader is because he always prioritized people. Here's why. Movements are created through people. Projects are mobilized through people. Policies are mobilized through people. This doesn't mean that we don't create excellent business plans or strategize. It does. It does mean that. But it means that we focus on people above the plan. Just for example, take the woman at the well. Jesus met the woman at the well. He met her where she was. She became so enamored with the person of Jesus and with his mission that she went and told exponential amounts of people. They then came to meet Jesus. They became enamored with Jesus and they fell in love with his mission and they exponentially went out and shared the mission and the message. Jesus prioritized people. And that is actually what made him successful. Prioritizing people. Moms, this means as, at its simplest form, you can empower your children to do chores, okay? We live in a culture where we don't value this. I want us to value this deeply. Let's empower our children to do hard work and, and give them actual chores, okay? There's actually lots of studies out there that show that children that actually perform and do hard things, it's actually forming them into these little humans that we want to be able to go out into society and build things and grow things and lead people. For those of us that are leading others in our organizations, this means that we prioritize the person over the policy. It means that we might have to have messy, long conversations with people before we get to the project, if we want the project done really well. So my friends, really and truly what this means is, one, we can actually, in our to-do list, create margin. We can begin to create margin in our to-do list for people. That's a practical step. You can build in margin in your to-do list for people. And another thing to prioritize people is, again, to simply ask Jesus, to help you. Ask Jesus to help you prioritize people. And when you get in the hustle and bustle, take a deep breath and remember that it's truly about loving God and loving people. Now listen, as we wrap this up, not every leadership book is going to say what I said here about the best habits you can create, about living a highly effective life but my friends, we are not here to build habits to help us produce more. We are here to build habits that help us live well. So again, those three habits that we talked about were to get away with God, to slow down, and to prioritize people. 
I hope that you can take one of these and you can take one of these practical steps and you can move the ball forward. Find me on social media and let me know which one you're focusing on this week. And I want to cheer for you. As always, I could never do this podcast on my own. It truly makes a, or it takes a team to make the dream work. So thank you, Sandra Houseman Design and Corey Thomason Productions. Friends, get out there and go live your big, happy life. It is in and through Jesus alone.